Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching and Training Radio, and we are, of course, your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We've got a fun podcast for you today is, is the media lying about the housing market crash? Or maybe, is there a housing crash at all? So we're going to be going through 12 or 13 points today, and you guys know Julie and I, it'll probably be more like 15 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and these points are designed to, I think, really encourage you and motivate you to see through the the haze and the malaise that's out there about the housing market and then to share these points with not just other realtors but also with your prospective buyers and sellers it's critically important that you understand what is truly going on in the housing market and these points are not just going to be based on julie and i's opinion we're basing these on fact and julie i went through your outline and you did an excellent job thank you for preparing all this i can tell you spent a ton of time on this yes and trying to keep it very much on the positive end of the spectrum because as we all know the media loves to jump into the drama and make you feel like the world is coming to an end the sky is falling and you'd better freak out so we don't prescribe to that and so you want to take some notes keeping it positive you know it occurred to me when i was reading your notes today and i was thinking about this topic that i bet you that there's reason to believe and we'll get into this in a second mm-hmm. that the idea that there's a housing market slowdown is commensurate with the idea that the Fed can somehow slow inflation. And it could very yeah. well be that the media is in uh, cohorts with uh, essentially the government to try to discourage people from buying housing and in a way trying to, you know, throw some water on the fire to cool things off for the sake of re- uh, lowering inflation. And I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of reasons to believe that there is because we've certainly seen in the last really three or four years examples where these government agencies work right hand, you know, work hand in hand with, um, you know, whatever the government policy is. So it's going to be fascinating as we go through these different points. And you guys can summarize, or I think, um, you know, figure out your own opinions. And that's what we encourage you to do. Don't just listen to us. Go and form your own opinions. But the reality of it is, is there's definitely a transitioning market that's going on. But the transitioning market is certainly not what maybe a lot of you have been led to believe. So we're going to be going through those points today. Now, before we get to point number one, um, we want to invite all of you to become Premier Coaching members, and we are running a promotion. We, I think we're going to probably continue this beyond the month, uh, but the reality is you can join Premier Coaching right now absolutely 100% for free. And this is not a watered-down version of our Premier Coaching program. This is the full coaching program for the first 30 days. You get a DISC personality test. You get the buyer scripts, the seller scripts, listing presentations. You get a sample of the pre-listing pack lead generation ideas, passive lead generation ideas, real estate treasure map. Guys, you get so much content. And why are we doing this? Because we know the market's adjusting. We know a lot of you are looking for direction. And this is what Premier Coaching will be for you. And it's free. There's zero risk. This costs you nothing. Just text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. Oh, and yes, this does include daily semi-private coaching calls with a Harris Certified Coach. That is correct. You will be able to have direct interaction with your own Harris Certified Coach Monday through Friday, and it is all free, and you can join now. Just text the word PREMIER, P-R-E-M-I-E-R, to 47372, and remember, a message and data rates may apply. And for the hundreds of you that have joined since we started offering this about a week ago, welcome. 
We're sending out emails uh, for those of you who have not completely ramped up into the program yet. Make sure you do. So for the hundreds of you who have already joined, make sure you're logging in and you're attending the daily semi-private coaching call. It's really critical that you do that. And then log into Premiere and then start on uh, lesson one. And this it's really all laid out there between what you can download and you can use scripts and whatnot and the training videos. All the information is there. And guys, this uh, coaching program is absolutely perfect for this market. This is really uh, the foundations of all of Julie and I's coaching program and all the, you know, the years of work we've done, 30 years in the real estate industry, everything really culminates in a market like this because this is, look, it's easy to uh, look um, like you're very successful when everyone else is very successful. It's the old, you know, thing that what does Warren Buffett say when the tide comes in, you can see the people that were swimming without swimsuits, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, that's what's happening right now in the real estate industry. So if you can see that tide's coming in and maybe you haven't quite got your swimsuit all the way on, this is your opportunity to do it. So just text the word, text the word premier to 47372. Remember, message and data rates may apply. You can join right now listening to the podcast, so do not delay. Text the word premier to 47372. So before we get to point number one, Julie, you were telling me on our morning walk this morning mm -hmm. about a lot of the coaching calls that you've been doing and some of the things you've been hearing. Yes. And so if you could share, because I, I think the things you told me and I, mm -hmm. I I asked you to stop telling me these stories and save them for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because they're so encouraging, frankly. They are. Absolutely. Okay. So remember that this is the edge of a market shift, not a crash. So what happens in a shift? I wrote down three or four different things that seem to be happening fairly consistently. And you know, remember that you're going to have certain homes that are still hot and other homes that are not, for example. So one thing that I am hearing from pretty much everyone is that the buyers that are still in the market after the interest rates have gone up and prices continue to go up, these buyers are pretty serious. And one of the things that they're doing is not just calling the listing agents, listing agents, you know, you win either way, but some of these buyers are so serious they're finding the phone numbers of the sellers and calling them to see how they're going to win. Now, this is a reflection on buyer agents not getting them to the finish line. Well, you gave me a story this morning. You told me a story about Sue Erdman, right? Mm -hmm. I love I mentioning so. names of coaching clients. I know, yeah. Because it always makes them pee a little bit when they hear us on the podcast. <laughs> That's <laughs> yes. right. I'll Sue in Erdman way. in Wisconsin, we're talking about you. Julie was telling me about a uh, coaching you uh, coaching calls you guys had. So tell that story. Yes, well, she had a, a great open house. Those of you who are not doing open houses in this market, refer to our open house uh, podcast of how to monetize that. But she had a really kick-ass open house. And as a result, she got a whole bunch of offers. And her feedback on that was even, I think she had like 12 offers on this house, is that only one of those offers had a respectable lender letter. Which and is Which we did a podcast on the previous week, uh, in which, by the way, Julie's in the midst of writing another podcast about the specific things to put in a lender's letter when you're working with buyers or if you're on the listing side, what to look for from the lender. And you guys were yeah. responding. Um, I was actually shocked but thrilled that we discovered something that so many of you guys didn't know anything about. So we're going to be presenting a podcast on, about that mm -hmm. next week. But Sue did know about that. Sue had taken great notes. And obviously, she has Julie as a coach. And I, actually, you told me there's 15 offers. Yeah, and only one of them was the clear front runner because it had a really great lender letter that was very specific. I think she even said that the lender had called her to vouch for the borrower and that this was obviously the front runner. But of course, you know, sellers still want to counter. <laughs> and they, they countered, and this led to another conversation about another trend that we're seeing, and that is that because the market's been hot for so long and because you're still getting multiple offers, sellers still feel like they should counter even a really great offer. 
And I can't remember which was Suze or another coaching client, similar story that, that the, the seller had said, well, what if we counter and we don't hear back? Well, that means you got your counter. They're not interested. They're going to either go see something else. They're going to wait for the next thing to come. And so a little micro trend is sellers are countering and the buyers are saying, maybe not so much. We're going to keep ourselves in the market. Well, so we're what we're transitioning into, it's what you and I have been talking about endlessly, really, is the fact we're entering into a skills-based market. So there's a whole bunch of scripts and things that Sue, and I'm sure you're helping yes. her with, needs to know prior to even um, getting the listing active. She's going to have to start, and all of you need to start, uh, priming the seller for being reasonable and essentially realizing that this is not you know two weeks ago's or two months ago's market. And now a lot of that has to do with uh, telling them what happens if they uh, turn turn their noses up or over negotiate a contract and showing them that the, ram the ramifications of more inventory entering to the market, show them the ramifications mm -hmm. of the, the rising interest rates and not just look, she received 15 offers guys, but I hope you were listening to what Julie said. Only one of them probably was really truly financially qualified. All the, and didn't you say this? Yeah. Oh, you did say this. All the other offers were basically yeah, just boilerplate lender letters that, right. you know, and uh, related to this, I just got off a coaching call where uh, another very professional agent, Tammy Irby in go, Virginia, you're going to go, Go she back. Said, okay, so go back. So you yeah. said that the reason that the, what, there were two offers of the fifteen, these yep. finer points are important. Yeah, and she's one was an absolutely experienced buyer's agent who wrote the offer, correctly, mm -hmm. the, and included a, a lender's letter. She probably yep. was one of our coaching yep. students. Probably. But all the others were using BS lenders' letters. Yes. Where it had subject to, you know, verification of, in other words, not really detailed. Just you know, yeah, they're pre-approved. They should be good to go. So the moral of the story was those other buyers' agents probably didn't even realize that their buyers didn't even really qualify uh, to get a mortgage. So maybe they pre-qualified them sixty or ninety days ago, or maybe even thirty days ago. Now rates have gone up, and we've been talking a lot about lender overlays. All these things are changing the rules. Yeah. So many of you guys are working with buyers, thinking that they're going to be your, you know, paychecks in the next sixty to ninety days but they're most likely not because they no longer qualify. Now, Sue is smart enough to look for the one uh, that actually been pre-qualified, but all the other agents, and, and she even, you told me that one of the other agents, a guy named Alex, uh, yeah. right? He he called to he called her uh, state broker to complain. Oh my gosh, is she okay? She's not calling me back. So Sue called her broker back and said, yes, I'm absolutely okay. I'm busy accepting the offers that actually won. I didn't call him back because he's not even in the running. Because the lender letter was non-existent. So this goes back to the fact that a lot of you who are working with buyers and you've been able to essentially get most of your buyers pre-qualified and you haven't had to really put them through a gauntlet with the mm -hmm. lender. Um, now, and maybe they just did an online pre-qualification. You've got to assume that all of those pre-qualifications, all of those lender stuff, it's all needs to be thrown in the garbage. You need to start out at, a, you know, essentially ground zero with those buyers. Now, yeah, well, it's here, outdated and Sue knew that. And here's the point that Julie also just made. I'm, I'm really hoping I'm drilling down on all this and you guys are getting it. Um, the fact is, is that if those buyers, if you've got a list of buyers that you are convinced uh, they're going to you know, result in paychecks in the next 60 to 90 days, you need to take all those buyers back to a lender. And again, use the notes that Julie's going to share with you guys next week and make sure that lender knows what the hell they're doing too, because not a lot of them do. 
If the buyer's not willing to actually get pre-qualified at the highest level, that's not a real buyer. That's a looker. You need to move on. Do not be surprised if you find all of your self-proclaimed AAA motivated buyers are all going to close this year. Do not be surprised if none of them actually are real when they when you're actually asking them to, you know, you're putting their feet to the fire or frankly, they just don't yeah. even qualify anymore. We are hearing and we've been reading and Julie's been researching all the different lenders are putting on very thick overlays on top of Fannie Mae standards. So even if someone qualifies for a loan based on Fannie Mae standards, there is not a major lender on the face of the planet, well, in the United States anyway, who's not putting additional overlays. Like maybe the minimum credit score to get a mortgage is, you know, 730, but the lender's going to make it 750 or 760. Mm -hmm. Maybe the minimum credit score or minimum down payment to get that mortgage is 5%, but the lender's going to require 10. Those are overlays and it gets a lot more onerous than that. Time on the job, a past credit history that goes into just, you know, nuanced little things. Bottom line, guys, is this market's changing and where it's changing that you can't see is what the lenders are going to start doing. And these are the reasons that you need to frankly sign up for coaching and learn really what it's going to take to transition into this new market. You can do it. You just got to learn the new rules. It's not that difficult. Yeah. Well, so from the listing agent standpoint, listing agents are getting more particular about what they are researching and making sure that your buyers are good for it. The smart listing agents that know that maybe that pre-approval letter from 60 days ago based on four and a half percent, maybe that's not legit anymore. If they've got something better, they're just going to accept it. They're not going to coach you into taking care of your buyer. So if you're on the buyer side, you have to be picky about what do you actually know in today's world about your actual buyer. Now, I talked about Tammy for a second. Even worse than, than sending over a boilerplate lender letter or no lender letter at all is some of these agents that think it's okay to just shoot a verbal offer up the flagpole and see what happens. A verbal offer is not a real offer. Stop doing that. That's pretty simple coaching on that. Uh, let's see. Buyers calling sellers direct to see what it'll take, writing letters, etc. So the, the existing buyers in today's market are more serious by and large. But just because they are motivated does not mean they are still qualified. And that's why we're going to do a podcast next week. You did a little prequel for that about, I think I have 12 questions to ask a lender about their lending. What kind of loans do they specialize in, for example? What kind of overlays are they using? I'm giving you those questions to ask your existing lenders because a lot of the lenders aren't used to this market either. And the, so there's two mental you know, mindset approaches to what we're telling you. Um, if you have a database, whether it be a small or large with leads and you're uh, dripping on them and emailing them, and a lot of you guys have been seduced into believing that's actually going to result in paychecks for yourselves. I challenge every single one of you to get into those leads and then call them and then find out what their actual motivation is. Use our, if they're, if they're just buyers and they have no homes to sell, use our buyer pre-qualification script and find out how many of those leads are actual leads. And if anybody is more than maybe 60 or 90 days out, uh, as far as motivation goes, like Mr. Seller or rather Mr. Buyer, ideally, how soon would you like to be in your next house? And, well, I don't really know. I have to find the right house. Well, Mr. Buyer, if I were to show you a house that met all your criteria, the house checked all your boxes, condition, location, everything is exactly the way you wanted it. Price was great. On a scale of one to 10, Mr. Buyer, how ready would you be to purchase that property? Well, probably a seven. Okay, a seven. Great. Congratulations. So what would it take to get you to a 10? And then you're going to find out what their actual motivation is. Well, I have to wait for pigs to fly. That's one. <laughs> right. And I have to wait for, you know, all these other things. Okay. That's not a real buyer. Remove them from your database. Quit dripping on them because what happens is the mindset of an agent who has a lot of leads 
is not the same as an, a mindset of an agent who has a lot of closings. A agent with a lot of closings has barely any leads because they're pre-qualifying their leads at the highest level. They're looking for reasons not to waste time with that uh, potential yes. buyer or seller. You guys are looking for reasons to put them in the drip campaign, hoping the drip campaign somehow will magically and mystically create over time that person will eventually become a transaction. Don't think like that. That'll make you broke. Yes. Now, if you are a buyer's agent and you are working with buyers, showing them property today, and you keep on losing, you've got to ask yourself what is going on with that, especially if you have used the pre-qualification script and the buyer is really serious. It's an interesting trend I'm also seeing is that some of these buyers are actually more serious about buying than their buyer's agents are about helping them because the buyer's agent don't, doesn't know what they don't know. So a very specific trend that I have from my listing agents is that they have buyer's agents going to them for help and some of the smart listing agents are actually partnering with them to get the jobs done and doing a little bit of light coaching. So that, that well, shows you you know, the desperation of buyers getting a contract. Well, we talked about that um, before, obviously, and one of the trends when you know the market's really changed is when it's what you just described. It's basically when a listing agent sees, for example, a most likely very inexperienced buyer's agent show their property multiple times and the buyer's agent is not submitting an offer, a smart listing agent is going to then submit a seller's offer to sell to that buyer's agent opposed to waiting for the buyer to write a buyer's offer to buy. In other words, the listing agent is going to go to the seller and say, listen, I can see Betty the realtor here has these buyers and evidently they're not stepping up to the plate. Let's go ahead and write a purchase contract but let's just make it a seller's offer to sell. And yes, it can be at list price and the rest of it. Send that on over to that buyer's agent and you'll be surprised how often yeah. the buyer's agent is gonna be going, holy smoke, you just did my job for me. Present that to your buyers, the buyers are gonna sign it and you just sold a house. Right, and then you just negotiate it from there like a normal deal. Well, I mean, even if there is any negotiation necessary, yes. yeah, definitely. All right, so guys, we are going to answer the question and we're gonna do it based on, not emotion, but we're gonna do it based on facts. Is the media lying about the housing market? Is there a crash? All right, and Julie went through all one, all these points and we're gonna cite as many of our reference, uh, reference uh, our points of yes. reference as possible. Um, and I'm reading your point number one, it's excellent. So is the media lying about the housing market? Is there a crash? Point number one, Julie. Point number one, home prices are still increasing month over month, even with the rise of interest rates and slower showing activity. According to CoreLogic, nationally, prices are up 20.6% through April 2022. That's the most updated uh, reporting that we have is through the end of April. This matters because it keeps serious sellers interested in cashing out and gives them more money to put towards down payments, rate buy downs, etc. It's also important because it helps continue equity growth, which prevents distressed sales. So there, do you see how these things are interrelated? And there was another report that came out, I'm gonna guess you mentioned it. So if you do, just kick me. Where okay. we're, it was, uh, I think it was also CoreLogic that said March over March uh, annual uh, appreciation, March to March was over 20%. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so home values went up over 20%. Again, this is all pointing out to the fact that people have a ton of equity in their properties. Right, now that's the the national average. Let's take some examples. Tampa went up by 34.8%, Phoenix 32.4%, and Miami by 32%. So that 20% is just the national average. There's lots of markets that are up more than that. And even the smallest gaining markets were an up, up an average of 12.5%, which would be Minneapolis, Washington, D.C., and Chicago. Now, according to Lawrence Yoon, economist of NAR, National Association of Realtors, by the end of 2022, these increases may slow to 5% growth. Right, oh, let's, no, let's, let's freak out. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. So, guys, oh, you're about to say what yes. I was about to say. Okay, so, go so ahead. it's also interesting to note that over the past 
30 years of tracking home price inflation, the average rate is 3.7%. That takes into account the Great Recession as well as the temporary slowdown in the early days of the pandemic. So the 30-year average is still 3.7%. That's still positive, which is not a housing crash. But so let's talk about this. When you read the media's headlines, and these are all going to be, I do firmly believe that they're politically motivated, but when you read the media headlines about any kind of you know, reduction in numbers of whatever, whatever, you've got to read the content because all they're talking about is slow, hypothetical, they don't even know, hypothetical um, slowing of price uh, appreciation or inflation. And by the way, they could be completely wrong. They could be completely wrong. And I can give you guys a historical reference and I won't, I'll do this quick. Before uh, Paul Volcker became the Fed, uh, ran the Fed when Ronald Reagan uh, was elected, there was a the Fed that um, the Fed chairman that was in charge, obviously, of setting interest rates and inflation, and all the rest of it, was not raising rates high enough to actually slow inflation. So what they would do is they would raise rates, and then they would basically see the economy was going into recession. Sound familiar, listeners? And then what they do is they back off. They get dovish, as they're fond of saying. So the raise the rates would uh, would increase. The economy would slow. People would panic. Politicians would panic. The whole thing would essentially look like the wagon wheels were indeed coming off. Then they would change course. They'd say no more rate increases. Now, notice how when you read the news, how you're starting to hear about certain politicians and other things saying, you know what? We've done enough. Inflation is slowing down enough. This is good enough. Uh, and we're not going to raise it, raise it anymore. Now, if the current Fed chairman follows that behavioral pattern, what's going to happen is he's going to indeed uh, say, you know what, we're going to raise rates another half basis point. And that's kind of based, uh, baked in. And then we're just going to wait. We're going to see what happens. We're not going to do anything more because he would have maybe been listening too much to the politicians. Now, this being a election year, midterm election year, you can be guaranteed that there's a lot of political pressure not to continue to raise rates because obviously that's going to have an adverse effect on um, the economy. So what's most likely to happen is the Fed is going to not continue to raise rates like Paul Volcker did until it absolutely uh, positively slows down inflation. Because what Volcker did is the inflation rate was 18% or somewhere in that range. And he raised interest rates to the same as the inflation rate. So the belief is, is that in order for the inflation rate to truly slow down, you're going to have to somehow, you know, raise rates to the point to that same exact number somewhere in that realm, right? You following uh, us on all this? Now, interest rates right now are what? 5% or something? The inflation rate is easily uh, above 10%. Is it possible that the Fed could raise rates to above 10%? It's possible, but not likely. So then what happened prior to Paul Volcker taking the Fed chair? Is that the interest rates, what would happen is because there was no consensus and there was no really, I think, political momentum to continue to raise rates and actually caused inflation to increase its pace. So remember, I said, while Volcker, after Reagan was uh, elected president, he uh, interest rates were 18% and inflation rate was 18%. During when um, the previous administration, when Jimmy Carter was president, they weren't that high. It had crept up to that uh, rate because what happened was people didn't believe the Fed was actually uh, going to fight uh, the inflation by raising rates. And so people didn't change their behavior. People kept on buying. People kept on spending money. People kept on borrowing because they, you know, essentially there was no real uh, significant reason for them to stop. And then the Fed had to slow it down. So what we think is going to happen is you're not necessarily going to see a leveling off of home price inflation or appreciation, whichever word you choose to use. It's entirely possible 
that these projections for less in, uh, inflation appreciation uh, that some people or virtually everyone is predicting that will happen into next year is completely wrong. And we're going to continue on this freight chain in terms of inflation and home value appreciation for real estate for some time to come. We will see, but those are your two outcomes. You guys decide which one you think will happen. Related directly to point number two, what you just said, the mortgage interest rate for a 30-year fixed loan actually decreased last week from five and a quarter down to 5.1%. It clearly has immediately affected the market, which is what the Fed's intention was. Now, they may slow future increases, to Tim's point. Make sure your serious buyers are locking in their interest rates and that that lock includes a float-down feature. Again, we're polishing your mortgage brains here. The, uh, the float-down feature means that if the rate goes down again, that they lock in at the lower rates. So it could go either way, and especially those buyers that you're out showing property to. Point number three, inventory is rising finally. According to Axios, inventory is up 8% year over year. Homes that used to take 24 hours to sell are now taking up to 30 days. That's great news for your buyers who are sick of competing and giving up so many concessions to the sellers. It's also great news for listing agents because they now get to build listing inventory. And some markets, it's even more than that. Oh, and by the way, start paying attention to your expired listings in your marketplace, mm -hmm. guys. They are increasing. Uh, point number four, Julie. There are zero indicators of a pending housing crash. Homeowners have equity. There's a whole lot in this upcoming sentence. I put it all in one point <laughs> in case you weren't paying attention to previous long form podcasts about this. Well, there was a podcast we did on 15 reasons why there's no housing crash. Yeah, and so I'm going to cram that all into one sentence go, here. Go back and listen to those 15 <laughs> points. And you'll and again, share this with everyone you know, especially other uh, you know, real estate practitioners. By the way, guys, please do uh, share our podcast. Every single one of you should be sharing this podcast or this YouTube video if you're listening to us on YouTube with at least three other agents. We need to be letting the people, everyone in the industry know what's actually happening because if a whole bunch of agents, if a vast majority of our industry starts believing the wrong information about the direction of the housing market, that uh, unconscious, uh, what's it? Collective un unconscious. Collective unconscious mm -hmm. actually might create something of a housing slowdown. So don't let it happen. Tell people the truth. Which is point number four. There are zero indicators of a pending housing crash. This is the short answer. Homeowners have equity. They have locked in super low interest rates and can walk away with cash if they actually decide to sell. Unemployment is low and demand continues to be very high. There is very little subprime, so at-risk homeowners are few and far between. Lenders are more willing to do forbearances or modifications. Stop thinking there's going to be a crash. Here's a note for you. 45% of homeowners are currently what's known as equity rich. This means that they have 50% or more equity in their homes. Even if they were to fall behind in payments, they still walk away with equity, i.e. cash. You and I did some research on this for a previous podcast, mm -hmm. and we determined that basically half of all homes are owned outright. The yep. other half of the homes that have mortgages on them now do have 50% of equity. 50% of equity. And then I think we figured out or we read that 90% are on fixed rate mortgages. Yes. And if 90% are on fixed rate mortgages, then you have to assume that their mortgage interest rate is probably less than 4%. So there are a lot of people that are not just in a massively good position equity wise, but also in a massively good position payment wise. And here's the interesting aspect of all this. And remember all these facts when people start telling you the market's going to crash. A human always needs a place to live, uh, you know, setting aside homeless folks. People always need a place to live. And it, the only reason 
like back one of the main reasons why people abandoned their homes back in the housing crash is because the real estate uh, the the essentially the adjusting rate mortgages were adjusting to a payment that they could no longer afford or rationalize you know maybe a house down the street that was essentially a model match to theirs was for sale as a short sale or maybe even a foreclosure that was less than what they owed on the mortgage they would do things like buy and bail they would do all kinds of different things none of that's going to happen now because the reality of it is, is they have tons of equity and they're in a situation where their payment is lower than what an equivalent rent would cost and it's not adjusting yes that's a major point and remember back then too the people that those they was adjusting on were not qualified to refinance. You couldn't just refinance out of it, and especially if you didn't, you didn't qualify and didn't have any equity to do an eighty percent, uh, you know, refi out. So when people start saying, "Oh, the adjustable rate mortgages," you got to remember what we just said: less than ten percent are adjustable rate. Again, look to see how much hype is being made, or, and they never st state the fact that you're talking about uh, essentially a minority of people who have adjustable rate mortgages. But even with that. They could still refund. Who knows when those adjustable rate mortgages are actually needing to adjust? If they took it out last year and it was a 1020 or a 723 or a 525, they still have time on that first term of the adjustable rate mortgage. And they can refinance now, and the interest rates yes. are still relatively low. They don't have to wait for the mortgage to adjust. So you guys got to clear past the glorified the junk junk yeah. headlines the garbage headlines and get to the facts well and and the other thing is that the recent mortgages the past i think five years worth of newly done mortgages you know the average credit score has been mm -mm. 760 which is dramatically different than the previous boom before the housing crash. But let's talk about that too. Yeah. And I we won't get in on a tangent because you and I have researched. I already did, we, we, I, oh, <laughs> yeah, you, sorry. you're not going to bring up. So what often happens is in times like this, you, we, you guys know what lender overlays are. You're listening to us. Hopefully you're understanding it. But the other thing that starts to happen is the credit scoring agencies all start to screw around with basically what makes up a, a credit score. So even though if your credit score right now might be you know 800 or whatever it is, you're going to see that they're going to start changing the algorithm and the formula and the secret sauce and the witchcraft and the alchemy to determine what your credit score is. And we saw last time during the housing crash, wait for it, people that were in the real estate industry were all of a sudden having more credit challenges even if they had no cash flow problems. I'll give you guys an example. Julie and I knew people who were um, in the, essentially they're flipping houses. They were making good money, in some cases amazing money, flipping houses during the housing boom. Mm -hmm. Well, it was in uh, summer of 2007, Bank of America started canceling credit lines. So let's say you owned a house and you had $500,000 equity in the house. And let's say you took a credit line out against it and you were using that money to flip houses. Well, all of a sudden you got a notice in the mail that's from Bank of America that says, we've frozen your credit line at whatever the outstanding balance is. And why? Because you were in the real estate industry. And we saw that happening with yeah. agents, actually with real estate practitioners, with their actual credit lines on their actual credit cards were getting reduced to whatever the outstanding balance was. These are all the things that nobody tells you about that happen when there's a noticeable uh, shift in the market. We haven't seen any of those things happening. No, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. We have story after story after <laughs> we story. We do. You know, sometimes from coaching clients, that's true. Do you remember when... Uh, banks stopped easily approving people that were in mortgages or real estate or anything related to housing. Yeah. Everybody had a lot harder time buying anything just because of what your profession was. That that was pretty nasty. So, yeah, it was. Yes, but we will we will digress. Okay, point number five, buyers are gaining some control back. While it's still unquestionably a seller's market, 
Fewer showings mean sellers are more appreciative of their offer or offers that they do get after a couple of weeks on the market. This does not mean that you should be lowballing, but it does mean that you may be able to get inspections and appraisals accepted. Sellers are getting fewer free possession days as well. This all depends on the subject property. Some are hot and some are not. The challenge, the challenge you have with what Julie just read to you, 100% factual, but the problem is, is you have an inexperienced listing agent who's never actually dealt with the seller's emotions and setting expectations and all the rest of it mm-hmm. uh, because they've never sold in a transitioning market before. And that is probably 99% of the agents out there have never sold in a transitioning market, let alone a buyer's market. So they did not properly prep their seller for the, essentially the change of the market and the buyer's expectations. So the seller is going to need, you know, at this point, you guys are hope, I'm hoping you're realizing the importance of being educated and trained and knowing what to say and how to say it. Knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. Please do not wait for, uh, for some deal to blow up in your face and you to lose a paycheck and your ability to help somebody because you essentially thought you just figured out along the way. That's what coaching is training for. That's what we do. This is what Julie and I do. You know, frankly, our coaching program is, I'm sure if it's not yet, it soon will be the number one coaching program for real estate professionals in the United States. This uh, market requires that every single one of you re-educate yourselves on what it's going to take to actually be successful. The expectations of buyers are going to change. The expectation of the sellers are going to change. The expectations that you're going to have to have for yourself and what you're going to get out of your existing efforts, they're going to change as well. What you did in the past market will largely not work to make you successful in this new market. I know that sounds dramatic, but it's true. Don't wait to discover it's true. We've made it easy for you guys to join Premier Coaching 100% for free. First 30 days, it includes a daily semi-private coaching call every weekday. It includes the scripts, the objection handlers, it includes proactive and passive lead generation, includes a DISC personality test. All of this is for, uh, for free, no strings attached. Just text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. Remember, message and data rates may apply. Do that now. You can do it while you're listening to the podcast. What the heck are you waiting for? Text the word Premier to 47372. Point number six, new construction starts to continue to rise. The builders are building 15% more new homes this year than last year, and lumber prices are actually coming down. The overall cost inflation for new construction materials is down versus this time in 2021. Make sure that you know your builders, your local builders. Some are even having uh, inventory homes come available, and many are paying normal buyer side commissions again. It's one of the most uh, popular posts on realtor social media. Uh, So many agents posted you are not going to believe what these builders are saying now. Keep in mind, 60 or 90 days ago, some builders were saying, you know what, we're going to pay you 1% regardless of purchase price, or we're not paying realtor commissions anymore, or we have waiting lists, don't bother to show up. Now they're saying, here's a list of our inventory homes, and here's a bonus on these three homes if you get them in contract by July 31st. So where those inventory homes come from? I'll tell you where they came from. They came from uh, buyers that no longer qualify for the cost of the house that the buyer that the builder had them in contract on. A lot of the inventory homes are from failed purchase contracts because the buyers no longer qualify. Okay, what else is how are we discovering about builders? Builders actually are increasing production. They are mm-hmm. now maybe they're going to decrease production when they if they don't remain optimistic, but there's such a demand for new homes, new construction across the country. 
if you are a builder and you have you own your own land or you've got land secured in you know great locations and you have ability to get long-term financing you're in a fantastic dominant position during the last housing cycle what we saw the big builders started to buy out the small builders not necessarily their brands but they would buy out the uh, land that they owned and then they just stockpile that land and that cycle is going to start again of course so you, and here's an interesting fact for you guys most builders can't turn a lick of profit unless the house is at least two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. If you're one of the more expensive coastal markets, it's even obviously more expensive than that. So don't be surprised if you're going to start seeing the, even in say for example, you know, well we already know it's true. Even in the Midwest, most new construction is three hundred fifty to four hundred thousand dollars. That's true. Because remember, two hundred thousand dollars is not a fancy house. That's basically you know sticks and bones house. That's something that people buyers have an expectation of. It's going to be at least four hundred thousand. So this is what's coming to, there'll be more of this coming to the market. And we're also reading, and Julie and I find this really fascinating, all the different alternative forms of housing that are coming available. You just read my mind. Yeah, I know I did. Yeah, and that's not something that's really obvious. You really have to look for that in different markets. And these are things like builders that are doing more density for less purchase price, like townhomes, quads, doubles, detached condos. There's lots of different types of housing that you can find for people in that price range, but it's probably not going to be in your MLS. So you've got to do your own research on that. Well, look at the company. There's a company called Boxed and I think they're oh, yeah, out of Texas. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're out of Texas and essentially they're, it's a manufactured home in the mm-hmm. traditional sense. Mm-hmm. You know, you, but you guys should check it out. I don't, it's Boxed is spelled some weird way, but just Google it and you'll see these houses, just like a manufactured home, arrive on the back of a truck. But what's really amazing is these houses fold out. It's like an origami house. And you can actually, you know, create a decent little house um, that's very well insulated, very well made. You strap it to a, you know, a concrete foundation and you're off to the races. These are the types of trends that are, I think, personally, I think those are going to continue and they're going to pick up momentum. But what might happen is people are going to, just like a mobile home, I'll say it as it is, but people, people might very well start you know, leasing land opposed to owning land for long-term leases and drop their box style house on that particular property. Problem with that is you never want to build a mansion on land you don't own. That's yep. a business, you know, I think quality that all of you need to adjust to. Uh, but, you know, and unfortunately you're going to have a lot of people that do that with housing and they don't actually build equity. Julie and I, uh, and again, I think we talked about this in one of our previous podcasts, the average net worth of somebody that owns a home versus basically has never purchased a home is, isn't it 75 times yeah. greater? Yes. You know, so guys, listen, the idea um, that uh, owning a home is in any way not going to be one of the greatest drivers of the economy and frankly of, um, you know, people's emotions, but not just emotions, well, but desires. Yeah, exactly. That's all, that's going to be more, that's more true now going forward than it really ever has been. So you're in the right place at the right time. You're in the right industry. It does not, guys, here's the simple fact. It does not matter what direction the housing market goes up or down sideways. You will still always have people to help as long as you have the skill sets to know how to get the deals together. It's not just going to be like it was before where in a buyer can fog a mirror, Bob, the builder, or, you know, you take a, you know, Larry the lender said they're good to go and you throw them in the back of your car, you show them how the house, they're able to buy it. Those days are over. Stop thinking like that. That's not, that, that's going to result in you burning yourselves out and getting out of the business. So when you are thinking, when you're contemplating, why does it feel like it's harder? Why am I having to work harder? It's because what you're doing is what you did yesterday and what you did yesterday worked yesterday, but it doesn't work today. So now what you have to do is you have to adjust to this new market. And that's why really hundreds of you, and I suspect thousands of you, 
thousands of you will become premier coaching members. Next point, Julie. Next point number seven, again, keeping it positive. Uh, second home markets are being affected by the slower buying traffic. Look for opportunities for yourself as well as your buyers and investors. This is an especially good opportunity for those who are still fleeing cities due to the new work from home job environment. So we are seeing, usually, you know, you see the luxury condos and second home market first affected by slowing buyer activity. But that spells opportunity for you and your buyers. Point number eight, 15%, this is gonna be shocking to some of these guys, 15% of active listings saw, wait for it, price reductions last month. Yes, I said it, price reductions. If a seller is on the market long enough to reduce their price, they'll probably be more appreciative of offers from your buyers. This is also an early indication that prices are becoming less crazy, the market less frothy, and best for all of our proactive lead generators because expireds will be increasing. And do not tell your buyers that you're going to get them some sort of smoking deal nope. and you're gonna rake the seller of the coals. Do not do that hackish thing that some new agents, generally speaking, sorry, but it's true, try to do to try to convince a buyer to work with you by telling them somehow you're the Zen Buddha of negotiating because uh, yeah. you will end up getting fired and they'll end up hiring somebody else, which by the way is a topic that Julie is preparing for a future podcast. <laughs> What's the title of it? Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but it's something like when to fire your buyers and when your buyers should fire you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Point number nine. Okay. Point number nine. Bidding wars are cooling off a bit. Longer days on the market equals less overbidding, guaranteeing appraisal gaps and waiving inspections. This will be a less stressful environment for buyers, buyers agents, and even the listing agents who won't have to wade through so many offers. Now, remember we're talking about Sue and her, her large number of offers. Well, that house was less than 200,000. So again, not everything is going to be universally the same. That house was hot. Some upper end, even in her market, are not. So you have to take it on a, a subject property basis, right? Side note, yes, there are still places in the United States that you can buy a house <laughs> for under 200000 It is true. Okay, point number 10. FHA, VA, and smaller down payment buyers are actually getting into contract in many areas of the country now. This is due to the almost immediate bowing out of many cash investors who are already waiting for prices to stabilize. I, I read that in several different places that uh, FHA, VA, and smaller down payment buyers are now uh, doing better because all those cash investors are starting to go away. Well, what our institutional buyer friends, the people that are, let's call them what they are, hedge funds basically, what all of them to a person have told us is exactly what Julie just read mm -hmm. to you. It's where we got some of our information yep. is that they're taking themselves out of the market until the end of the year, if not the beginning of the year, because they don't want to be competing and uh, with all the retail uh, agents or real t retail buyers anymore. So they're going to wait for prices to stabilize. And But what they're really waiting for is seller confidence to fall. That way they can start negotiating, if not on price, on condition. So there's lots of mm -hmm. places. And again, I know some of you have never dealt with this before, but the normal way you work a real estate deal is you obviously you know get the best price but then you get the house inspected and if there's any other mickey mouse that the seller didn't disclose or didn't know about then there's another opportunity to take another bite at the apple this is how a real real estate <laughs> transaction happens you guys have never dealt with that before you're going to have to learn this is the new market that we're in i know you know i have calls like that from time to time as as the other coaches do also where you'll have somebody that's been in business for like 10 or 12 years and never experienced what we lovingly used to call the secondary negotiation. Yeah. When you get into inspections and, or maybe even a cut appraisal where there was an appraisal gap. I mean, you guys have, it's amazing. The list of stuff you have not had to deal with for a decade is epic. Well, here's the thought. 
it's funny. In, in the real world, not this parallel universe we've all been living in, when a buyer goes and contract on a house and the appraisal basically comes in lower than the purchase price, in the real world, guess what happens? The buyer doesn't cover the gap. The seller lowers the price. That's how it actually works in the real world. We're getting there, kids. Back in the olden days. <laughs> yes. Back in the olden days of maybe 10 years ago. When a house sold for appraised value. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Shocking, but true. Okay, point number 11. This is probably what I am most excited about from a coaching perspective. Skilled, caring, and competent agents are poised to build up their listing inventory immediately. And I'm already seeing that creating stronger, more profitable businesses. This point's all about you. The amount of inventory coming soon is increasing for those agents already. They know how to properly educate their sellers on what to expect without freaking them out. Or better yet, they know what to do if they, they know what they don't know. Like you were telling me, yeah. Sue was, a, you know, we talked a lot about Sue yesterday, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Sue had not been in business during the real estate crash. Was it Sue or I somebody think so. else? I I, some of my they all stories mix. mix. Yeah. Well, you were telling me that like a lot of your best agents who've been very successful consistently, one of the reasons that they're, they're successful consistently is because they are always looking for things that they don't know. They're looking for their yeah. blind sides. They're mm -hmm. not just, you know, I think... Uh, they're not resting on what has worked historically. They're always updating and being very conscious and aware and present about what's actually happening in the market. They're looking for reasons why they're wrong, not why they're right. Yes. In essence. And that's, that's how you, when you and I are making our, writing our podcast, that's what we do as well. We'll write something down and especially when you and I feel so emboldened, oh, this is the way it is. We know for sure we need to basically think. Check ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. The ability, what was it, Einstein, and I'm not certainly aligning ourselves with a quote from Einstein, but I believe it was something along the lines, of the ability to, to hold two, uh, you competing know, thoughts, competing thoughts or countervailing, you know, mm -hmm. thoughts or arguments in your head at the same time and be able to balance both of them. So you can form your own opinion, not just based on maybe what you've been brainwashed to think. Yeah. Uh, that's the true, that's really the pathway to freedom. And it's also a sign of intellect. And when we're reading our points and when our podcast is really everything we do, what we're trying to do is we want to make you guys so that you become your best coaches. You become your best guru. You now not only know how to actually sell real estate, we haven't actually, it's beyond just the coaching and the training of knowing the skills. We've hopefully helped you to be independent of anyone being able to manipulate your emotions. And I started out today's podcast by saying, why the hell is it that the media wants us to believe mm -hmm. that the housing market is crashing? I suggested was because they're in cohorts, cahoots with the government who's trying to basically through a series of, you know, Fed interactions and rising of the interest rates, trying to scare people into believing that the market is going to crash because they're trying to, you know, motivate people to not continue to buy real estate, not continue to essentially, you know, be competitive for buying homes. What's the unintended consequences of that? Well, people are going to miss out on what might very well be. Wait, I know this is amazing to say, but maybe 5%, maybe 5.5%, maybe 6% mortgage interest rates are the lowest of the rest of our lifetimes. It's entirely possible. Maybe this is the low point for housing of the rest of our lifetimes. And if you got scared to you know, hide out underneath your bed because you've been reading too many headlines and you've just taken yourself out of the market, it's entirely possible that you will never buy a home. And when Julie and I, you know, Julie and I are fifty and or fifty-two and fifty-one, and when we are uh, coming up, sorry, I did say your age. You slipped. But when we are when we are rate, uh, you know, uh, kids, we knew kids whose parents and whose families had always been uh, renting pro homes. It was normal. Mm -hmm. We, uh, it was normal for someone not to be going from house to house to house. They would move to one house, maybe another house, and that's the house that they raised their families in. 
and why. It was also normal for people not to purchase houses until they're much older. It's because they essentially, they waited too long. They were trying to time the market. We're gonna wait for rates to fall, for prices to fall, mm-hmm. and the market got away with them, got away from them. Those are the types of, the fear-based thoughts that unfortunately a lot of people are manifesting right now. What are the unintended consequences beyond what the obvious things are that I just said? When you're feeling fearful, when you're feeling doubtful, when you're not feeling optimistic, how does that manifest in your life in all the other ways? Well, here's what happens. People start creating marital problems. They start creating social problems for themselves. They start drinking too much. They stop working out. They stop uh, essentially doing, they start creating what the fear, the fear is manifesting inside of them uh, on the outside. So they're feeling fearful. They're not optimistic that tomorrow is going to be better than today. Today, So something happens in our psychology. You could, you know, mindset gurus can, you know, they've been beating up this concept since the beginning of time. But the reality of it is, is your dominant thoughts do essentially control what your actions are going to be. And if your dominant thoughts are fear, if your dominant thoughts are pessimism, if your dominant thoughts are, oh my gosh, the sky's falling, the real estate market's going to blow up. What does that do to your mindset about being successful in real estate? What does that do to your mindset about being successful in life at all? Doesn't just take so much wind out of your sails. You just, like I said, want to crawl under your bed and wait for the clouds to clear. Isn't that interesting? So you have got to be doing everything in your power to avoid anything and anybody that's going to essentially kill your potential. And Julie, you and I were talking, you were on our walk this morning, you were telling me about, um, uh, the Weather Channel, and do you have to go, oh, yeah, talk yeah. about that? It's a great way to wrap well, up today. Uh, related to I, what I was saying is about half of our coaching calls start out with a bit of mindset coaching because you guys are all surrounded by, if you're not doing it yourself, which you shouldn't be, be media free, but a lot of your prospects and clients and even other agents are like, oh my gosh, you know, everything's so stressful and inflation and recession and this and that. And one of the agents I was talking to said that she had had to say to one of her um one of her clients, you know what, if you want to check the weather and you're turning on the news to do that, you're going to end up feeling a lot worse. Even though you got the weather report, what you had to listen to on the way to hearing the weather is going to be terrible. Just get a weather app. Or you said, look at the sky. You don't have to to torture yourself with all of the, the drama. And it's not even news. It's just some kind of demented they would call it entertainment or something. Well, it's propaganda. That's really it's propaganda. What it, it's propaganda. It's, it's degraded to the point where you should not even bother. It, but yep. the point was that we do recognize, and all of our coaches recognize, this is one of the reasons we do our semi-private calls daily, not just weekly or monthly, is because we do appreciate what you're going through and the stress that you have to deal with. Even if you are you know, one of our best coaching clients, you're media free, you're doing all the things right, you're still having to deal with other people's drama. You're surrounded by other people that are basically in some form of an adult failure spiral, most likely. And you're in there. It's like everywhere you turn, somebody needs a, you know, 10 hour Dr. Phil session and it's exhausting. And when you start having your clients that are starting to suck the energy out of you too, it's exhausting. That's the reason people, one of the reasons that people join a premier coaching program, because you're around a community of like-minded uh, folks that are not acting that way, that are not acting that way. And when you attend the daily semi-private coaching call, when you go on the face, Facebook group, you, I would say not never, but very, very rarely run into anybody that's negative because the people that are joining our coaching program are realizing that they're not just going to survive through this real estate transaction transition. They're going to thrive because of it. Well, one of the things I'm most proud of, it's a decision though. Yes. In our coaching, one of the most things that I'm most proud of 
is that it's almost become, because our coaches do such a good job and because our coaching clients are so positive and full of energy and share with each other their victories and their challenges, it's almost become like the secret mastermind in a way. Yep. Where they're all so supportive of each other and they're looking forward and they do know that tomorrow is going to be better than today and they don't get stuck in all the, all the drama and that kind of talk. It, it just is not part of our culture, I guess. What's really incredible about a market like this, and I know you feel this is mm-hmm. the head of the coaching for our, our company, yeah. is that you get to help people and they're so unbelievably grateful. Yes. Our coaching clients, and you guys are going to feel the exact same way when you're dealing with your real estate clients. They're going to be so unbelievably grateful because you help them get a house or sell a house or solve a problem. That comes from a skill set. If you don't know how to solve their problem, you're not going to experience that emotional payoff, which by the way, is also commensurate with the amount of money that you earn. There's a direct correlation between the money you have, the wealth that you enjoy, the financial freedom you enjoy, and the number of people you have helped in the past and have the ability to help in the future because of what you know. These are just simple innate facts. You guys know what I'm saying is true. So look, do not be fearful of this market. Be excited about this market. Look, the unfortunate truth is there's a lot of agents thousands of agents that are going to wait too long to realize that Mm -hmm. the market has passed them by and the rules have changed. Don't be one of those agents. Tens of thousands of you listen to this podcast every single day. This is the number one listened to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. And we sincerely appreciate uh, all of your support. Oh, and by the way, this is a quick, I just reminded myself of something. Um, So we had dozens of you submit five-star reviews on iTunes and our staff and faculty have chosen the five-star reviews and, well, you know, you, it wasn't required for you to qualify for this, but basically uh, the it was a bit of a contest, right? So five-star review with pithy comment and you get an autographed uh, copy of Julie and I's best-selling book, Harris Rules. Um, well, those are going to start going out today. If you still want to qualify for that, Julie and I are actually doing a lot of book signing and personal message mm-hmm. writing over the next uh, few days. And we would love to include you in on that. All you've got to do is just a five-star review, ideally. You know, you could do a four-star, but why would you want to? Five-star is going to make you feel so much better about yourself. (laughs) So do a five-star review and do a pithy comment. You know, that's something why specifically our podcast has helped you or our coaching uh, program has helped you. And please do leave that on iTunes, ideally on iTunes, because really all the other uh, places that you can leave reviews like Spotify and whatnot don't really amount to anything. But please do leave a five-star review for us on iTunes. If you're listening to us on YouTube, please like and subscribe. That does help a lot with uh, helping us, frankly, be in alignment with our mission, which is being of service to you guys. Guys, we were built for this. You were built for this too. You just got to load up a new set of toolbox and let's get to work. Be excited about this market for all the people that you can help. Anything else you'd like to say is guys? Well, you know, back to what you guys are all dealing with. I I remember, and you will recall some of our transactions when we were in even a harder market than what they're dealing with, it would seem like your clients are just so full of stress and, you know, you're going through all this together. And then an amazing thing would happen because we solved their problem. We would be at closing and even the most difficult client would give us a hug. They would, they would shake your hand. They would say, thank you for getting us to the finish line. So even though you guys are having to learn more skills, polish your skills, upgrade your skills, and we're here to help you to do that, We appreciate what you're going through and just persevere because the reward is at the end when you become an even more caring and competent agent. You're able to help more people at a higher level and you will feel that payoff. There's a hidden coaching message in what Julie just said and we could do a whole podcast about this, but the gruffer somebody is, the grouchier somebody is, 
the more fearful that they are, so more likely that uh, they are going through other life changes yes. that are happening that's forcing the housing transaction or transition. This is usually on the seller side. So you've got to understand that when you come across somebody that's a little you know, gruff, it's probably because they're un unbelievably fearful. And when you have the opportunity to help somebody that's in that state of fear because you know what to say, you know how to say it, how do you feel on the other side of that conversation? You feel incredible. And that person becomes an unbelievably powerful source of centers of influence that's and right. past clients. When Julie and I sold real estate, we sold uh, between 100 and 200 homes per year for 10 years, right? We sold over 100 homes per year our first year in the business we're in our early 20s. All these things are, you know, documented. But I can tell you for sure the best long-term clients of ours were when we initially came across them were the biggest pains in the ass and sometimes the most abusive. <laughs> the more stressful But ones. we, we per persevered. We helped them with the transaction and they realized and that frankly a lot of them were embarrassed about their bad behavior as they should have been. This is true. Yeah. And they yeah. were such a powerful source of referrals for us for years to come. Always that was true. No exception. So, But this is all a mindset. This is the new approach to this business that you guys are going to have to you know, learn. And if you don't, then, you know, you're going to needlessly suffer. You're signing yourselves up for a lot of, you know, frankly, frustration. Get on the other side of this. This market, this industry is about helping people, being of service to other people. When you're a service to enough people, you solve enough other people's problems. Guess what? Your problems actually go away as well. Mm -hmm. So remember guys, here's your homework. Text the word premier, P-R-E-M-I-E-R -E -E to 47372. Absolutely, positively become a premier coaching client. It costs you nothing. This is what we're doing to help you guys transition into this new market. And it does include a daily semi-private coaching call. If you have not heard me say that a uh, hundred times on today's podcast. That's so right. text the word premier to 47372. Remember message and data rates may apply. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. Your homework is to join premier. And if you've not done so uh, already, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. Have a fantastic day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.